Hello everyone, welcome back to Jarcast. I'm your host, William Spangler. I'm here with my co-host, Lulu Salacia. Hello, and today we're interviewing Dr. KT. Hello. How are you, Dr. KT? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm honored to be here, so thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. You were very high on our, our list of people we wanted to record <laughs> an episode with. Yes, Excellent. I think, I think Dr. KT will be one of the most interesting people who we're uh, recording with. Dr. KT has been with us since 2014. Um, she recently just got her citizenship in America. Um, how was that process? Was that, I know it was probably very long. It how, was how long, it was rewarding, and it was definitely worth it. Although there were times when I was slightly overwhelmed by all the admin involved. I'm sure. How long did it take, or when did you really start? Well, I, I guess the process started before I even moved to America. So I moved to America because of my now husband, and so I came over on a fiancé visa, a K-1 visa. Uh, so it started about maybe six months before I moved here in October 2014. There was a lot of paperwork to fill out. Then once I moved here, I had to get married within 90 days. Uh, I actually oh, wow. ended up, yeah, <laughs> so the pressure was on. I got married actually only a week after moving to America wow. uh, on the 7th of November. Um, and I moved here on the uh, 31st of October 2014. Then after that, things got even more intense. So first I had to apply for a, uh, an employment permit, and that took about six months to come through. So for that six months, I was stuck at home, just waiting until I could work. And the first thing I did when I got my permit was apply to ACA and set my CV in. And then I came in for an interview with Dr. Moore and Colonel Lambert and saw oh, wow. the school, and that was that. Um, but then the citizenship process took way longer uh, still, so then I had to get my green card, mm -hmm. my permanent residency, which is a lot of administration, a lot of documents, um, some financial elements as well you have to pay to do all these stages. And then after that I had to get the conditions of my green card removed, uh, I think five years later, five years after I received it, and then um, I got called in to take my citizenship interview, and then I passed that and went in for my oath of citizenship. So a really long drawn out process, but absolutely worth it. So what what is the oath of citizenship? Is it just like a... Or is it a secret? No. Yeah, I, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Um, no, it, it's essentially an oath that you swear to the country. So um, it, it talks about the rights and responsibilities of being an American, and you have to swear to accept those rights and responsibilities. So it's a very formal and very special ceremony because of COVID. Uh, it was pretty perfunctory this year, so it didn't take as long as it usually would. But still, there was a, an incredibly special feel to being in a room with other people who on that day were becoming Americans as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a big test that you have to take? I always think, because I remember, I remember watching one movie. It was it had a I don't know who had it, but it but it was all about like this fighter who was like teaching someone 
about how to like get their citizenship and there was this big old test that they were going to is there is that true is there a test that is true yes so i actually bought the flashcards for the test there are <laughs> i think there's about a hundred questions that you could be asked oh, wow. um and everything relates to american history american politics rights and responsibilities and that sort of thing and then when you take the test it's it's not too challenging because they only ask you six questions. Oh, wow. uh, one of my questions was, who is the cur current president? So <laughs> <laughs> I was able to answer that quite Good easily. <laughs> yeah, and because I got the first three questions correct, they didn't ask me anymore, which I was kind of sad about because I'd spent a long time studying oh, wow. for this test. <laughs> I know him, I swear. Come yeah, on. Please ask me more questions. <laughs> no, definitely. So you grew up, where did you grow up? I grew up in England, obviously. Um, I was born in Liverpool, okay. but luckily I only lived there for a year because the accent in Liverpool, which is called the, uh, the Liverpudlian or Scouse accent, um, is maybe not too desirable. So luckily I moved um, down to East Sussex. Okay. And then after that, I moved to Devon, both in the south of England. Um, so I grew up in very little towns next to the coast, which okay. was really pleasant. And I stayed there until I went to college and then after college, I moved to London. Okay, so you've both, I guess you've been a student in England and also like you've taught, correct? Yes. So what's the difference kind of between like American schools versus like schools in England? And So there are many differences and some I guess are more superficial than others. Um, so in England, we don't have the yellow school buses. Okay. Everyone just makes their own way to school <laughs> usually. Um, then there's name differences, so we have primary and secondary school mm -hmm. uh, in England and here, obviously, elementary and high school. Um, but some elements of the education system are actually quite similar to ACA, although not representative of US schools as a okay. whole. So we have uniforms in most British schools. So I grew up uh, in my elementary school, I had to wear a bow tie every day oh, wow. to school, a red bow tie. Wow. And then in secondary school, high school, I had to wear a tie, just a normal tie every day. Is, so, it, is this for both public and private schools? Yes, okay, well. yes, absolutely. So it's very rare. I think there's probably a handful of schools in Britain that don't have uniform, but the vast majority do. Okay, that's um, so interesting. Yeah, and then there are differences as well with regard to the subjects studied. So when I went to school, I had to take a technology, um, and it could be woodwork, it could be metalwork, oh, graphic okay. technology. Cool. Um, so there's, I guess, a bigger variety of subjects that you can take when you're in high school. Um, but again, because I've only taught in ACA in America, I may not have the best knowledge of what state schools or public schools yeah. here are like. No, for sure. Yeah, I'd say uh, ACA is pretty like different public school than most. It like, is, charter. and that's one of the reasons why I love teaching here, because it almost feels like it is a British school in many ways. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it feels like home. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you feel welcome. I mean, are the, are the school days pretty structured similarly, though? Is it like, like hour periods, or was it like maybe like block classes? or? So the school that I went to and the school that I taught at had... Um, so each day would be different. So with you guys, you have the same schedule every single day, mm -hmm. uh, right? But in the school that I attended and the school that I taught at, it was very different. You would have, on some days you wouldn't have English, for example. Uh, on other days you would have your, um, your language, but you wouldn't have your elective and things like that. So every day you would have to check your, what's called timetable to figure out which classes you're going to. So was it like an A and B day schedule or was it more complicated? Than more that? complicated. Oh. Every single day is a different schedule. Wow. That's very strange. That's, <laughs> so they just like 
Like every day, like Monday, like every Monday is the same, or every week you get a new kind of. Oh like right, yes. Yeah. So every Monday would be the same. Every Tuesday okay. would be oh, the okay. same. In some schools, they have a two-week schedule. So for those um, ten school days, every day would be different. Well, you just have to refer to your timetable to make sure you went to the right class. I feel like that that'd be interesting, just because then you're getting kind of used to um, how, like how you know, like you're not getting used to the same schedule every day, and it's not just feeling like. You know, meticulous. Yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. so it's, it switches it up a nice bit. But then also, I like to know where I'm like going, and <laughs> not have to yeah, like. St- I sure. hate carrying the sheet around like at the beginning of the school year. So, but I don't know when. What do you guys have seventh period every day? We have engineering problems. Yeah. In do you sometimes feel like you're really tired at the end of the day? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so yeah. if you're a teacher that teaches at the end of the day, then you always have your students at that same time, yeah. and you have to really work hard okay. to make them. So like. First period classes might be in, in, towards the end of the day one day, and then also be yeah. like so. Okay, so it's that's nice. No, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, going into what you teach here, philosophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you always been teaching philosophy in England? Also. Yes. Yes, I have. So when I did my teacher training in London, I uh, trained as a religious education teacher. But in England, that means studying world religions and looking at philosophy of religion pretty okay. heavily. And then the school that I taught at in London, I taught um, religion, philosophy, and ethics. So, and that was from middle school through high school. So every grade was taught philosophy, ethics, and religion. Um, so it was really enjoyable. Um, and I feel very, very lucky to have found a school in America that actually teaches a lot of philosophy. Since yeah. Yeah. most schools in America don't. No, I think as students, most of us at least, feel pretty lucky that we get to study philosophy in high school instead of, I mean, I know a lot of like colleges offer philosophy classes, but it's nice to get maybe like a head start on that. Um, So have you ever thought about teaching maybe like an English class here? Have you been offered like the position of taking, like teaching English? Well, I used to teach middle school English actually for a couple of years here. I didn't have you guys, but um, when I went part time to pursue my PhD, um, I taught seventh and eighth grade. Because you English. came, you came in. I remember, didn't you come into one of our classes and like give us? You taught Maybe us for a day. I did. Wait, you, so in in sixth grade, um, I took the current seniors. Yes. At least half of them oh. who were it wouldn't have been William class. and I because we both came in seventh grade. Yes, we've that's heard right. that you yeah. did. Te- what all have you taught at ACA? Maybe just yeah. So I started off actually substitute teaching here. Okay. And then I took on sixth grade, and then I took on middle school English, <laughs> and then okay. um, I added moral philosophy to that, and then I went part time again and just taught moral philosophy, and now mm-hmm. I'm back full time teaching moral philosophy. Um, and my two electives, Applied Philosophy and Ethics, and also, interestingly this year, Fifth Grade Composition, okay. which has been amazing. I love those fifth graders. So <laughs> every year it's been something slightly different, which is nice. It's a yeah. good variety. Yeah. yeah, nice to switch it up, kind of like how you were saying the English school day is. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so have you taught anything below? You haven't taught anything below like fifth grade at ACA, right? Well, my first week on the job here, um, there was a third grade teacher who couldn't start immediately due to employment issues um, and so I took her third grade class the current ninth grade students for a week at the beginning of the semester and it was challenging 
because I'd never taught students that young before. I'd only mm -hmm. taught middle and high school before. Uh, they were lovely, and they still are, um, but definitely I was thrown in at the deep end. Was yeah. it difficult to like keep their attention and all that? Is that probably yeah. the thing? I really admire elementary school teachers because it takes a lot of energy, I mm -hmm. think, to teach students that are young. Um, and so I enjoy teaching students of all different ages, but I would say for me, it naturally comes easier to teach older students. Okay. Is that just based on what you're teaching or just? Yeah, I think with philosophy, which obviously I'm most passionate about, yeah. um, with older students who already have some uh, understanding of philosophy and philosophical themes from their different classes, it's easier to get into uh, deep discussions mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, this is kind of a weird segue, but <laughs> what are some of your favorite English traditions that maybe you miss from back home? or? I don't know, is there any traditions ACA can start that would make you feel even more at home or something? <laughs> mm, that's a very good question. Um, at Easter, we have a tradition, in my family at least, of egg throwing. So um, we would get a basket of half raw eggs and then half hard-boiled eggs and you would throw them at each other. <laughs> and if you caught it, great. Uh, if you didn't and it landed on you and it's raw, then you lose. <laughs> so oh. maybe that's one we could implement here. <laughs> um, then let's think. Um, in general, at Christmas, things are pretty similar. Uh, we do have English games. Do you guys play charades? Charades. Or charades <laughs> <laughs> at Christmas. Yeah, so that's, that's definitely one. Um, and then obviously we have no Thanksgiving traditions at all. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, generally I think things are pretty similar when okay. it comes to holiday traditions at least. Okay. Is there anything that you guys do like throughout the year? Like not necessarily on a holiday, but just... So there's the Sunday roast, which is something I miss greatly. And that is a tradition in families of having a roast dinner every Sunday. And it's okay. a time when families come together and talk about their weeks and eat delicious food. Um, my personal favorite is roast potatoes that my okay. mother makes very, very well. Uh, so that's probably the tradition I miss most. Okay. Do you guys, uh, I know this may sound very stupid, but do you guys have like tea times? Tea times, yes. Yeah, is um, that real? <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a myth, but it's not something that every household would do. Okay. Um, when uh, I go to London, sometimes I try and get an afternoon tea where you have little sandwiches with the crusts cut off, maybe cucumber sandwiches, and you have scones and cream and jam, and it's very nice and quaint, but uh, it's not something that I would do very regularly back right. in England. Okay. So you, you like drinking tea? I love tea. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> one of the things I miss about England is, I don't want to say good quality tea because that insinuates that the tea no, here is terrible. So. However, uh, the tea in England is what I am used to, and the tea here is not comparable. <laughs> is the tea here, like, I, not like watered down, but just like not as strong? Um, it's less about strength and more about something that I really cannot define. Mm. I can't put okay. my finger on it, but it's just a different taste. Okay. And even if you like ship tea from England, it's not the same? <laughs> Actually, like, isn't the there a workaround? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> in the last month, I've discovered a company and you can order British treats and they ship them all the way from England. Wow. And my husband and I placed a big order and it arrived several weeks ago and we were very excited and it concluded a 500 tea bag <laughs> box of oh, tea. Wow. <laughs> so now I have British tea to my heart's content. That's yeah. something else. Um, when I was 
talking to some students who have you this year. I mean, I've had you in the past, but that was a while ago. So mm-hmm. they also said that you seem to bring in a lot of good <laughs> snacks for them. And so what's your favorite, I guess, treat or snack? So my favorite treat that's not available here would have to be crumpets. Have you guys tried crumpets before? I think I may have had a crumpet. Maybe. They're kind of like muffins, but 10 times better, and they absorb butter really well. Okay. Um, I haven't given those to my students because it will be hard to toast them in class. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I've brought them various biscuits, or as you say, cookies okay. into class. Yeah. So, um, And I actually have some more at home that I plan to give them um, as we approach the end of the semester. So bourbon, custard cream, um, custard crunch. These are all really tasty British treats that, that hopefully you'll get to try one day. Yeah, William and I will stop by towards the end of the yeah, semester. Yeah, please do. I would love to have you in class. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like living in, I guess, Europe, do you, I, I know that you there's like trains that are, I know Britain's like an island, but to get to other countries, did you find yourself traveling more while you're more in like the Europe area than you would in the United States or is that another myth? Actually, no. One of the things I love about living here is that each state is almost like a different country mm-hmm. uh, in that it has um, different environment, different, slightly different culture. So I've tried to travel a lot since I've moved here um, and been to many states. Uh, when I lived in Europe, I did travel quite a lot, but probably not as much okay. as I do here. But it is very easy to hop on a plane to France or Spain or Portugal, mm-hmm. and it just takes you know a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. So that's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. Well, how does this is us one? Us. So I know you guys got like hot tea and. but here we got sweet tea how does that compare does that compare yeah do you like sweet tea okay i do not like sweet tea it is too sweet but i do like non-sweet tea cold tea um here do you like it mixed with lemonade yes i do so the unsweet tea mixed with lemonade is mrs palmer yes arnold palmer arnold Palmer's, Palmer's, i think are fantastic and that's something that you get here that you do not get in england that Mm. is irreplaceable yeah (laughs) Yeah. No, we definitely enjoy it here because, you know, we're in the United States and in the South, so you can't yes. really avoid it. Um, <laughs> so last year you submitted um, to the teacher feature page, um, which if you haven't looked in your yearbook to see the teacher feature page, you should because I put a lot of work into that. <laughs> <laughs> but you submitted that you were learning kind of during COVID and maybe still now to play the accordion with your teacher who lived in Siberia. Serbia, but yes. Serbia, sorry. <laughs> so tell, me, tell us a little bit more about that. So yes, I am still playing the accordion, badly. Um, I, I picked it up during COVID, as you say. Uh, I think many people started new hobbies during that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd always thought the accordion was a very cool instrument. And I play piano as well. So I thought maybe it'll be a little easier mm-hmm. to pick up. And I bought one and I loved it. And so I signed up for lessons with um, Alexander is the name of my Serbian teacher. And I have lessons every two weeks with him. It's been very challenging, mainly because I have a lot of work on at the moment and it's really difficult to find time to practice. And sometimes when I get home from work, I don't feel like spending an hour doing scales on my accordion. (laughs) But once I pick it up, I, I really enjoy it. I think there's a lot to be said 
that you picked up like a, a new hobby during COVID and have continued to do it? Because I think a lot of people picked up co- mm-hmm. hobbies and like did them for like a month or two and then was never mind. So yeah, I mean, I have to, I kind of have to keep going because Elizabeth Richter has challenged me to perform at one of the faculty showcase oh, no. <laughs> showcases, and I don't want to let her down, and so you um, have to, I have yeah. to do that eventually. Fair enough. We're, we guess we'll miss that, but hopefully somebody will get that on video for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll send you a copy. I think the accordion's really cool. Uh, when I was working in Maine on like a sailboat, some one of my uh, fellow like crewmates had an accordion and would bring it on, and they were really good at it. And it was just really cool to see. So complicated though, I can't imagine. Just you have the there's the button part, yeah, and then there's yeah. the keyboard part, and then there's the just like the pushing part. Yeah, yeah, it's it seems a lot like of things multiple. to remember. And yeah. my accordion teacher describes it as playing piano, but like as if you're sitting under the piano and you can't see what you're doing. Because you're <laughs> playing with your right hand the keys, but you're not allowed to look down. Yeah. At least if you want to be a good accordion player. And that's insane. And how many, do you know, you might not know off the top of your head, but how many buttons are keys or... It really know? depends on the size of the accordion. So I actually have two and one is smaller um, doesn't have too many keys, but a full-size one, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's a lot more. Okay. <laughs> and more buttons as well on the left. Thank you so much, Dr. KT, for coming on to this episode of the JarCast. Just as a reminder, we post an episode of the JarCast every other Monday. Our next episode will come out the Monday of finals week. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.